do it again. There you go. You pop the bottle. This is Trash Talk Podcast. We're a podcast that talks movies, comic books, TV shows, and games all while having a drink. My name's Austin. Travis, God damn it! His beer is pouring all over the place, all over my table and my floor, probably my chair, too. What's Actually, wrong with you? It's all over my sock, surprisingly oh. enough. Nice. Well, take that sock off and clean everything that you just spilled on. My sock. Literally, that's all I spilled on. <laughs> and my pant leg, but... And we are a podcast, and we chat different uh, movie or TV show-related uh, themes every other week. Not every week. Every other week. If you're listening to this, this might be the first time you've heard of us. This might be because you're listening on the Beer and Pretzel podcast, where we just recently moved. We had our own channel at one point, but we weren't posting enough episodes there, so we decided to roll it into the Beer and Pretzel podcast. I mean, we will be there for two more episodes after this. Yeah. And... Or three. So you either listen to this on Trash Talk Podcast, and if you are, uh, please go to Beer and Pretzel Podcast's channel and subscribe there so you don't miss our episodes in the future. And if you're from the Beer and Pretzel Podcast, thanks for checking this out and giving a new uh, podcast a chance. So we're going to be doing this bi-weekly on Fridays, Friday mornings at 10 a.m. If you've never heard to us, we pick a new theme every week. We talk about me and Travis sometimes a guest. And at the end of the episode, we usually have a game of the week, a comic book of the week that aren't related to our main movie or show or whatever. Because sometimes we also just review a comic book and we talk about that too. We always start with what we're going about to talk about, real news and fake news. Travis, what is it? It is going to be where you list off, what is it, four pieces of news? All of them are a bit ridiculous, one of which is fake. I have to try to guess which one it is. Or if we had a guess, they'd have to try to guess too. Indeed. So, Travis, we watched Willy's Wonderland a couple months ago, and it's actually our best, I don't know about best reviewed, but it's an episode that's been listened to the most on our channel. Yep. It's a game that's basically Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff, but with Nicolas Cage. Yes, not saying anything. Not even one word. Yeah, I forgot that. That was such a weird, bold choice. Anyway, speaking of that, I just saw it recently on Hulu. People can check out Willy's Wonderland there if they want. It's a decent movie. It's okay. Five Nights at Freddy's is actually getting its own live action movie by Blumhouse, which has been responsible for a lot of uh, the new like horror wave that's coming out recently. They've been behind a lot of those movies. I think they're behind a new Halloween movie too. And I think they're producing Borderlands. Uh, they might be working on that too. But yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's. What do you think? Um, I don't know. Cause like we, we tried this out of course with the, with the, with Willie's Wonderland. So I don't know if it'd be any better or any worse. Cause it's basically the same concept it, except for it's a security guard inside of uh, basically a Chuck E. Cheese and you have to spend the entire night there. I think pretty sure that's how that went. No, I'm pretty sure that's the exact plot. Yeah. And, and there's like 10 of those games. Yeah. And you basically your job is to not get murdered and, I guess not let anybody inside or whatever. I don't know how it works. I've never actually played the games. Um, but like Willy's Wonderland was like, I mean, it's not an amazing movie, but as far as like a movie of that type, like a, kind of like a video game spoof kind of movie or not even a spoof, but something uh, that tries to follow the video game genre. But of course they made it different enough that it didn't, like it wasn't copyright. It was close enough to Five Nights at Freddy's that I'm like, what's the point of this movie? Because it's pretty much the exact same thing without the same title. Yeah. So I, I don't know how you'd make it any better or worse. No, that's fair. I think it'd be the same movie as Willy's Wonderland. 
Number two, Travis. So we're going to talk about Quentin Tarantino. So Quentin Tarantino, uh, people joke on him a lot for putting foot fetish into his movies with a lot of like close-up shots of different women's feet scattered throughout his movies. Someone actually told him to like get a response out of him for that. And his quote is, it's just good direction, putting feet in his movies. Yeah, because he knows his audience. He knows Austin has a foot fetish. <laughs> I don't have a foot fetish. Says a guy who wants a goth girl to walk on high heel in on his back in high heel boots. That has nothing to do with the feet themselves. Sure. Anyway, and again, getting stepped on in general requires feet. So he knows his audience and he made money off of it. Like I gotta give the man credit where credit is due. Have you seen Dusk Till Dawn? I have. Number in that Quentin Tarantino plays one of the robbers. He, I, I never realized that's actually him. Like, yeah. No matter how many times I see his face, I have genuinely never realized that's him. Yeah, because I guess you don't put him in front of the camera. But behind. remember in that movie, and also he partially wrote that movie, Selma Hayek's like, sexy vampirous girl, she sticks hit her feet in his mouth at one point. Remember when she's like doing her strip dance? I don't know if you remember that part. I probably don't, but it wouldn't make sense, honestly, because, you know. Like, he likes some toes. Yeah, but, like, never this brazen. Like, the man had some balls to write that. But, yeah, as an actor in his own that movie, could have been. the co-writ. Yeah. And also, that could have been where he got his foot fetish to begin with. Was It could be. I don't remember where the foot fetish thing came in, but actually, that could have been, you know, someone Hayek does that to you, awaken some things in you, I guess. Number three, Travis, talking, number, talking about another big director. Uh, Christopher Nolan. So, this is... Kind of related to Quentin Tarantino in that he says that he's going to do one more movie, Quentin Tarantino, and he's going to retire after 10 movies. Nolan apparently is doing the same thing that he gives himself two more movies and he thinks that he's not going to be interested in filmmaking anymore and that will only focus maybe on playwriting, if anything. So Christopher Nolan, while a very different director than Quentin Tarantino, he has that big like box office name. Yeah. That even people that aren't like film fanatics can recognize that director's name yeah. in his movies. But yeah. And I think he's only his early 50s, maybe, or 50s. I don't think he's that old. I mean, you don't have to be that old. Like, literally, they've probably made so much money, Austin, by now that they could have retired five years ago. Yeah, but all these directors, or not all of them, but a bunch of them are like that. Especially fucking Michael Bay. He's more money than any of these guys. He makes worse movies than everyone. But. But he, he still has keeps a, on trucking. Again, he has a drive to keep on going. Like true. It, it so basically you gotta think of them as artists, also. They created in a way a work of art. Maybe it wasn't a good one, maybe it was a terrible one, maybe it was a Michael Bay film. Who knows? But in they they are the artists. They are putting their their imagination and their vision on screen. And when it's not funny anymore, time to retire. Yeah. And they maybe have not enough money when, they can retire. Yeah. Maybe not even when it's not even fun. Maybe it's just when they don't have enough inspiration. Oh, sure. Yeah. That could be too. Like literally most people have been locked up inside their houses for the past two years. Like there's not a whole lot of inspiration to go around right now. <laughs> no, not really. So, and again, like they're saying this, but easily if they wanted to in the next movie, the next two movies, if they find enough inspiration to keep going, they might just do it. Yeah. Why not? So number four, Travis, our last real news and fake news before we jump into our main theme of the week, which we'd even announce. Hopefully people got that from the title. You should have. It is Venom 
and Carnage. Where the movies Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Venom, Let cycles. There Be Carnage. Yeah. The sequel to Venom, it's out, and we watch it. That's what we're reviewing. But let's get back to this. Number four, Travis, Jason Momoa, Aquaman, and Dave Batista from Guardians of the Galaxy are working together on a buddy cop movie, which they intend to star in. Said Jason Momoa, Batista texted me going, hey, we need to do a buddy cop movie, but in Hawaii. And I said, I have an idea. So Momoa went on saying, it sells itself, bro. Dave loves wearing Speedos. I love wearing board shorts. And both of us with our shirts off. He'll be grumpy. I'll be charming. I'll have the hair. He doesn't have hair. We'll cover all the demographics. I mean, they both have facial hair, but yeah. Yeah. What do you think about I mean, a buddy cop movie with those two specific actors? I mean, you think that could work? Oh, no. Those two specific actors is great. And I kind of like the the setting because we've had like the... Was it like Miami Vice and stuff? Which is a TV show, of course, but that kind of like very tropical. Very There's been Miami Vice, the movie too, and the movie. Um, and so like, but we haven't had that in quite a while, as far as I know. We haven't had like, like a very tropical, very nice weather, very like always sunny. Not really, unless you count like California. Yeah, like Bad Boys, but even that wasn't great. Yeah. Well, I mean, setting-wise. I mean, the movie was all right. Sure, setting-wise, yeah, because this is one that'll be, like, actually something different away from L.A., New York, or Miami. Those are kind of, like, the triangle of buddy cop movies. Pretty much. And we've seen, what is it, L.A., like, half a million times. I oh, know yeah. probably every square inch of L.A. Yeah, right now. <laughs> I know, just from watching these movies. Yeah. Yeah, so Hawaii, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, and I, the islands, who doesn't like that? Exactly. Jason Momoa is from the islands, so... I mean, it'll work out. And seeing those guys work off each other, that might be interesting. Usually you have, like, a physical difference. I know of uh, a lot of, like, the Kevin Hart movies. He plays a short guy. Someone's a tall guy. Usually Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, uh, yeah. But these guys are both big. But, you know, they can well, just I mean, go in there the, and like, just hit people. That is true. But also, like, in Hawaii, like, a lot of people are not maybe not, like, huge, but they're pretty good-sized people, like, tall on yeah. average so i think they'd fit right in they are very muscular like they're they one of them's a or was a pro wrestler and the other one's pretty jacked yeah so basically it'd be like having two dwayne the rock johnson standing right next to each other <laughs> yeah i don't know it, it'd be an interesting concept i actually like to see where that goes and travis what do you think is the real news and fake news which one is fake piece of news out of the four if you guess wrong gotta take a big old drink like big old drink if you guess right, I'm going to do that big old drink of my Tall Boy Twisted Teas, what I'm drinking today. I bet you hope I get this wrong because you really love Twisted Tea for some reason. <laughs> I'm not sure why. Well, if I did, I would got a six-pack, not just one. You know, it's not summer anymore, so it's time to retire the Twisted Tea for the year. Sure. Uh, would you list them off again? So, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, Quentin Tarantino is like, good direction is why I put feet into movies. Christopher Nolan was going to retire after two more movies and Jason Momoa and Dave Batista buddy cop movie. Which one is the fake piece of news? And why do you think so? Travis? I don't even know if Quentin Tarantino would give a response. Honestly, mm. that one's questionable to be to me, even though I'm not sure if it's real or not. I really hope the, uh, the Hawaiian buddy cop movie <laughs> actually happens. That sounds fun. Yeah. Um, they can be like both surfing, high fiving on the waves, yeah. just being bros. 
I don't think Dave Fatigue's to surfboards, but if he does, that'd be amazing. It would be. Uh, what do I choose? I wonder if surfing's a hard thing to pick up. I mean, it's kind of like skateboarding, right? And we're not exactly the same, yeah. of course, but like similar concepts. Skateboarding on the water. Skateboarding, snowboarding on the water. But you don't know how to skateboard. Yeah, exactly. And it's not easy to pick up. I tried it a couple times. Oh, really? Huh? I didn't know that about you. Yeah. yeah um, I always wanted to be like a skateboarder, but I was always afraid I'll fall on my ass and people would laugh at me, so I never did. Yeah, I mean, you would really hurt yourself, especially with how weak you are. I'm not weak. I just break a lot. That's weak. <laughs> like you're strong. You can pick stuff up, but then your arms like pop I out. Can, yeah. I can pick things up, but then my arms break and the things go down. Yeah. <laughs> you go down. Uh, What's a fake piece of news, Travis? I guess I haven't heard anything about it. So I'm going to go five nights at Freddy's. Five nights at Freddy's. Yep. Okay. I think that's big enough. I would have heard something about that. Sure. It's a big enough franchise. So, Travis, fake piece of news of this week is, drum roll, Christopher Nolan is not retiring soon, or anytime soon, unless he dies, of course. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's back at it. So that's good. But yeah, everything back. else is real. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, apparently the next movie he's going to do, he wants to uh, film, I forget what war it is, World War Two, but he's going to do a movie based around the atom bomb. Hmm. So I guess that's cool. I like guess. the creation of it or the dropping of it? I think the dropping of it, which people are making like jokes that since he likes to try to do things as real as possible, he's going <laughs> to invent an actual atom bomb to drop for in a movie to make it look Man, realistic. I feel really bad for uh, Japan. Yeah, I know. Like in Tenant when they just used an actual plane and blew that up. Yeah. Which, you know, you gotta give it credit. looks good. It does. But I mean, at the same time, like CGI's come far enough. Most of it still looks... We just watched yeah. Venom and Carnage. CGI looks amazing. Yeah. You can do a lot with it. You don't necessarily have to use everything real yeah. all the time. You don't necessarily have to drop another bomb on Japan. In they one of the newest wouldn't. Spider-Man movies, I saw behind the scenes. So there's a scene, if you saw the newest... I don't think you have the newest Spider-Man one. So Spider-Man goes into his like his uh, hotel room in Europe. And Nick Fury's there because you got to recruit him for something. And Ned is there, and Nick Fury takes this, like, gun and shoots Ned. It's like a blow dart gun. It, like, puts him to sleep. But watching behind the scenes of it, they never actually shot it in actual hotel room. It's like everything was blue-screened around them. And even the gun, the blow dart gun Nick Fury used, he is just holding, like, a really cheap plastic sort of gun-looking shape yep. that has, like, the little dots on it that they add CGI in later on oh pretty much the only thing that was real was the chair he was sitting on oh nice but it all looked pretty real well uh especially the gun because i assume like well you just assume they shot somebody <laughs> well no i not that part i mean like the gun itself like i was like why would you cgi gun in his hand oh that's true you could just use like a plastic toy yeah gun. you could use any kind of prop but anyway yeah cgi has come a long ways let's jump into our main review travis of venom let there be carnage it's out, and I was just looking for movie news, and it's on track to be the second biggest box office for this week, except for last year's Joker. Because mm. for some reason, Evo this month, we have a lot, a lot of great October movies coming out. Generally, for some reason, studios don't release the big movies during October for some reason. I don't know why. Probably because it's horror month. Yeah, that's probably it. But this month, we got James Bond is coming out, and Dune is coming out. And, well, also Halloween is coming out. So we'll True. see. 
But yeah, it's out and people are going to see it, which is good getting people back in theaters again. We kind of changed our trash talk if you listened to us before. We used to do a summary and then go into what we thought about the movie and reviewed it. We don't really like doing that, though, the summary part of it, at least. We're not good at it. We've spoiled way too much over the years. Um, So we are going to give a quick review, and then pretty much after that, we're going into spoilers. Yeah, so, so review, quick talk about what we favorite part or whatever, and then we then in spoilers after that. Yep, and because with that... Like, no one wants to hear the plot summary, really, unless you haven't seen the movie. Otherwise, you've seen the movie. That's why you want to hear us talk about it for some reason. You value our opinion, which is cool. Maybe um, they want their own opinion validated. Maybe they, we true. have the same opinion or don't. Yeah, exactly. Um, so hopefully that works out in your favor. Let's first, like you said, we're going to get into a very short review that this is actually, and we keep saying that before, but this is actually no spoilers. False there's no mention of the actual plot. And then we're going to give our review on it. And then we're going to jump into the actual review portion that will be all spoiler-filled. So, Travis, you jump into it. For the audience, Travis is going to give uh, his description of why he likes it or doesn't like it. He's going to review it out of our Trash Talk podcast rating of Bad, It's a Movie, Good, Great, and Kino, which is our best uh, form of review, calling something Kino. What I really liked about it, as far as, and mainly I'm comparing it to the first one, and I think this was actually an issue you had with the first one. The first one was very dark, like a lot of dark mm. settings. And of course, Venom's, he's black. He's like, yeah. he's, he's the color black, except for the white kind of lightning bolt lines he's got going through him. Um, But this one was very bright. Uh, most of the mm. settings, or at least dimly lit enough where you could see the characters pretty clearly. Well, there's even scenes that take place at night, but you can still see it. Yeah. Just because something's at night doesn't mean that you can't see them. Yeah. There's enough light in the area. Which is my problem with the first one. Yeah. Which I didn't have that problem with the first one. I was still fine with it no matter what. But this one, there was a lot more brightness. And, of course, uh, Carnage is like red. He's the color red. So being able to see the contrast between him and a lot of the... Oh, yeah, because the other one was gray. Yeah, it was like a dark greenish gray and Venom was black. So it was like it was very dark colors on very dark backgrounds with not a lot of lighting. Mm. This one, it was very bright colors. And pretty good lighting all around. So I really like that. I like all the characters. I mean, like Venom was pretty good. The Carnage was, he was all right. He didn't talk a whole lot. We didn't get a whole lot from Carnage, but the the actor who was uh, playing Cletus Cassidy, Cletus Cassidy, uh, Woody, Woody Harrison. He was amazing. I loved him so much in this movie. I Mm. think honestly, this is my favorite role for Woody Harrison. Yeah. He pulls off the serial killer look but also just the, the mentality vibe. and the way he was speaking worked really well but yeah. yeah pretty much for cast it's pretty much just the same cast from the last movie there's not really any new character actually that's not true there is one but yeah. not a lot of new additions yeah as far as main characters go they're not a lot of new addition but they all did pretty great i think they did better this time than last time and what do you think about the new character or is that spoiler uh, um it's kind of a spoiler kind of not Keep going with your review, and then we'll talk about the characters in more detail later. All right. That works for me. Um, so I like I liked all the characters, including the new one. I thought the new one was all right. Settings is kind of the same, honestly. Like San setting, Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco area. Um, they did have a couple of... It was kind of spooky in a couple of places. They had like a haunted mansion type thing. Yeah. And uh, like a 
Well, actually, they had a like a secret facility in the last one. And it was like a cathedral, an abandoned cathedral. That one was kind of cool. I like that. The, the kind of more spooky settings they had going on for, of course, October. Yeah. Um, That was kind of nice. My overall rating is going to be, honestly, it was great. I, I think mm. I gave the last one a great. And if I could, I'd give this like a great and a half. Because sure. it's not so good it's Kino because it did have some flaws. But it's still good enough where it was better than the last one. Okay, so ties in terms of great, but a little bit better. Yeah, as far as quality and as I said, like I love I love the they actually put more color into this. Yeah, no, that's true. It felt really nice. Yeah. So I agree with most of what you said. Um Woody Harrelson, really good at Cleus Cassidy, and I mentioned it before on our show if you listened. Carnage is one of my favorite villains, so seeing him on screen was great. I would also say that I think this movie is better than the last one. Like what you said, you can actually see. Even though most of this movie, I would say, takes place at night. It does. Um, I would still say that it's lit better. You can actually see what the hell's going on. The fight scenes are more enjoyable because of that. Whatever you say. And uh, what else I was going to say? Uh, the characters are pretty much the same for better or worse. This is one of those movies that's going to be like the new Halloween movie that's coming out, which I'm not sure how I feel about these kind of movies. I think I like it. It makes them a little bit more unique. Now, unlike most movies where if it's a sequel, it takes place years later, the movie takes place years later, and stuff has happened since then. Like, you know, a lot of the Marvel movies are like that, or pretty much any franchises. Yeah. This is going to be like the new Halloween movie that the sequel takes place minutes after the first movie ends. Yeah, I don't know if it's minutes. I'd say probably like a month. Okay, no, that's true. Not long. Not not long enough. Like, not years long. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of the events are still brought up from the last movie, which I think it's... I kind of like that idea because it kind of makes, like, if this is going to be a trilogy or whatever, it kind of makes it like you're seeing a period of time. Yeah. The new Halloween movie is going to supposedly take place, like, actual minutes after the last one. No, I think it's actually... From what I saw, because the it's like some girls getting carted off in ambulance from the trailer, and as they're getting carted off, like we see the new the Halloween guy come out of the house that's burning. So it literally seems like it's like they're stopping and then going right off the bat. Yeah, and supposedly they're filming the third one as soon as they stopped filming the second one. So I think it's gonna be the same thing. I like the idea of like it's kind of going on a different tangent, but the Halloween movies is gonna be like basically like a couple of days worth of terror, even though they are probably going to be released over multiple years. I don't know if they're going to do a third Venom movie. I don't know when it's going to take place, but that's kind of what I'm getting with this. And I kind of like that just as a new break of the mold in terms of storytelling. I think, yeah, it works. My only issue with it is of course people get older over time. So if it takes them a whole year to film it, but there it takes place like minutes or a month afterwards, if they look so much older, it could be an issue. But so far it isn't because so far, like uh, Tom Hardy and all them, they all look pretty much the same as they did a year ago. Or yeah, whatever. they're all fairly young. Yeah. Makeup helps, I'm sure. Yeah. And the same thing with the Halloween. They all probably looked exactly the same as they did in the first movie. So, so far it's working out. But I'm just saying, like, over a course of time, that could easily, like, differ. Yeah, you can only do so many movies with it. Yeah. But actual, the review itself. So... An improvement on the first movie, which I've been notorious for. Travis Travis and I agree on most things. It's one thing that he really likes the first one. I really don't like the first one, uh, and that's totally fine. This one is definitely an improvement over the first one in terms of lighting and making it so I can actually see the action, which is what I really cared about. As a Spider-Man fan, though, 
I still dislike this movie for its portrayal of Venom. I like Carnage in this movie, and I really like Woody Harrelson, but I don't like what they did with Venom. It's something that's a product of the first movie, because I like how Spider-Man is directly part of his origin. So for this sequel, there's nothing you can change about that. You're not going to rechange the first movie with a new origin or anything. It's more of a comic book thing in direct response to the comics. I think this movie is a little bit too silly. I like how it takes itself less serious. But for Venom, who's, for me, a really dark anti-hero or even straight-up villain, I grew up reading a lot of really cool Spider-Man stories where it's him versus Venom, and he's always outmatched due to Venom's strength alone. Seeing Eddie Brock get beat up and picked on throughout the movie and it being more of... Well, I think what's interesting about this movie is, is that it's a rom-com. It's really of. a romantic comedy. There's a lot of comedy in Despite the no romance. Well, no real romance, because yeah. the guy never gets the girl. Well, I didn't even think that. I see rom-com with the relationship of Venom and Eddie Brock. Oh. Of course, it's not an actual relationship relationship. Yeah. But there's constant themes throughout the movie. And it's jokes. It's made fun of that they bicker like a married couple. They break up like high school boyfriend and girlfriends. And they get back together. But Eddie Brock has to do like a really big apology to win Venom back. They even end the movie on a beach together like uh, sweethearts going on their honeymoon. That is true. So, of course, we're not going to see a sequel where they're fucking or actually getting married. But this movie is a rom-com, and I do like it for that. Instead of just another generic Marvel movie that's just, I don't know, generic superhero action movie. While this, of course, has action and generic superhero elements of it, I like how it plays more with the rom-com format a little bit. It makes it really weird, but I kind of like it for that really weird, bold direction. All right. I think you went a little bit into detail there. So, okay, yeah. Spoilers I'm sorry. ahead. Once again, we're not good with not doing non-spoilers. We're not, we're not doing this very well. Yeah. Anyway, give your review. What is your review? Uh, it's a movie. I'm giving it a better review than Venom 1, which was bad. I'm oh, giving okay. this. It's a movie. And there's enjoyable things in it. But when we get into the spoiler parts, I'm going to break down why I didn't like certain elements. Mm. Yeah. All right, let's get into the main review. So, Travis, the character I'm really excited to talk about is a new audition, the one new character, which is Sheik or Shriek. Shriek. Yep. Yeah, Shriek, which is Cleus Cassidy's, like, childhood wife, girlfriend. Like, romance, yeah. Yeah, so... Because they were in the same asylum together. They weren't really boyfriend... Well, I guess they're kind of. Yeah, they kind of. They're definitely, like, sweethearts in a way. Yeah, but, I mean, they were in the same asylum. Like, you can't have a definite relationship in the same asylum. I don't yeah. think you can. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know how same asylums work because I've only ever seen them in movies. Yeah, that's true. But for me, I like that character as a part of Woody Harrelson's, like, background. And it kind of adds a little bit more to that character. I didn't even know this character was going to be in the movie. But in my personal opinion, I did like that she was there. And she is from the comics, correct? I think I've heard that name before. Okay. Yeah. I don't think he's a very well-known character, but I think it is from the comics. Okay. I liked her. I don't think she did enough. So, in my opinion, I wanted her to break out for herself of her imprisonment because sure. she's powerful. Like, she's kind of OP in this world. She can shatter most things with just her voice, kind of mm. like uh, Black Canary from DC. I think she's even stronger than Black Canary, though. Yeah, like, her actual powers are much stronger. Sure. Um, But she's so OP in this kind of universe, which was very small. I mean, up until, like, I think it's now an official tie-in to Marvel. Because they introduced Spider-Man, which I hated. Um, we'll get into that later. Sure. But 
but she was very like very powerful in this world of very most of I think they only have a few of the the Spider-Man villains in this universe or had. Yeah, well, it's I we don't even know how much it's connected to like the other movies they're making. They're making a Craven the Hunter movie apparently. Yeah, there's that uh, Living Vampire movie that's coming out, but we don't really know if they're directly connected. They're yeah. probably just connected, like how the Netflix Marvel shows were connected to the Marvel Universe. A bit, yeah, yeah, probably that's how it's working. Yeah, but again, throughout at least this this part of the universe, the San Francisco area. She was very powerful. It probably the most powerful like metahuman we've seen. And she couldn't yeah. couldn't get out of her cage, couldn't manipulate anyone. She had to wait for the savior, which happened to be Carnage. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did put her in like a really, really well locked down prison cell that was like definitely overkill in how sound absorbent it was, so that no one can get hurt by her. But yet Carnage was able to like slide in there through a ventilation shaft or whatever it was. Yeah, that's in true. In, like, seconds. Yeah, he did really break in and get her out very quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Again, I kind of wanted to see maybe her, I don't know, maybe seduce a guard or something. Like, sure. one of the guards that, like, fed her, and then maybe get befriend them or whatever, and then find a way to break out that way. I thought they were going to do that. They were playing off the beginning how the guards get into her cell and all the procedures they have to do to actually go in to feed her. Yeah. And I thought she was going to use some kind of manipulation to kind of make one weak and then eventually exploit him to get out. I thought that would have been a little bit more interesting. I was fine with how the scene went down, but I can see your point of view of like, you kind of wish she did more for herself. Exactly. Like she, when it got to her and carnage being together, it was kind of like that whole Bonnie and Clyde thing, but with yeah. superpowers was that, cool. I, that was cool. I like that part, but everything before that, where they kind of made her feel not as powerful as she should have been in that universe. That's what annoyed me about her character. That's true. and But the actress was great. Her, yeah, she was good. Her lines were great, yeah. and her power was awesome. And I, like you said, they do directly Bonnie and Clyde, well, not only with Woody Harrelson having the southern accent, but they go away in an old car, and, of course, they're not good guys. They're very much on the opposite side of the law. The law are chasing after them, and they have to get away. It's Bonnie and Clyde. But MCU, which I think is kind of hilarious, and them going on this really crazy like tangent and escaping from the cops, and like Carnage was like moving the car from the street where all the cops were to like the top of like the insane asylum. I thought it was kind of cool, and I just like the idea. The playing with genres in this case, it was like a Bonnie and Clyde gangster movie, sort of in a way with superpowers. With superpowers, which I always like combinations like that. Mm-hmm. So, returning characters. So, let's talk about returning characters, and we'll talk about the main characters, because this is, while a Venom movie, it's very much a Carnage movie, too. Uh, Michelle Williams, I believe that's her name. Her character is back. Uh, what's her name? The main character. Anne. Oh, yeah, his wife. Anne ex-wife. is back. Even the grocery store clerk, uh, she's back. She was the one oh, that- Oh, Miss Wan? Miss Wan, yeah. And uh, Dan, the boyfriend of Anne- Mm-hmm. he's back. The like, cop is back. Okay, it's pretty much the from, same cast from the last movie. So the cop was from the first movie. I didn't really remember him. I think he had a very small part. Okay. Because the references he makes in this movie was to following up with uh, Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock in the first movie. But yeah. I think he did have a smaller role. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, I didn't really remember him, but I'm, I'm assuming there was a, like a million cops that probably died in that movie. So Yeah, that's fair. So what do you think about just the returning characters? The smaller role 
characters. Uh, the girlfriend, ex-wife, ex-fiance, whatever she was. She yeah, was, was she a fiance or a wife? I, I think, think a fiance. He had a ring, but I don't know if he ever gave it to her. So mm. girlfriend, almost fiance. Yeah. Um. Anyway, she was awesome, and seeing Lady Venom was amazing. In the first movie, not in this movie, was she? She was, because she th- she saved Eddie Brock. Oh, okay. Yeah, she breaks him out of what was it, the police station? Yeah, exactly. Okay, that scene must have been for like only a couple of seconds because I missed that. Really? That was yeah. a good scene. Was it? Oh, damn. Yeah, I must have missed that. But I did like that scene in the first movie when she becomes Lady Venom. Yeah, well, this time she does it again, but it's almost kind of like better. Really? Yeah. Why? Uh, well, it takes a little bit longer from what I remember. I, I don't fully remember the first one all that well, sure. but I think it takes a bit longer and I think she's got a bit more dialogue. And then that was where actually she... Uh, Eddie Brock kind of gave his like apology speech to Venom, yeah, but also her because Venom was inside her at the time. And the speech kind of relates to her too a little bit because it's basically apologizing for being a dickhead, yeah. Um, and he was a dickhead to both of them. Anyway, but so I like I liked her in this one. I think her kind of connection because she she played very well off the Venom kind of character, like the. They kind of have this like mutual understanding where they both know they're now a part of Eddie Brock's life. Yeah. Even though she's not or trying not to be anymore, but she still knows she is because sure. he has no friends. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, he's a loser. He kind of chose the way he was. Yeah. Anyway, but so they, they both, they're both kind of like an ex-fiance or a fiance to Eddie Brock at that point. Yeah, they are. They have like a relationship of like, ex-girlfriends talking about a man they both dated and they're like, oh yeah, he's the worst. And they just should talk him while he's in front of them. Exactly. Um, so I do like their relationship. Um, Dan, the boyfriend, he was more useful. So I like yeah. that, but he didn't have that much dialogue. And honestly, I could probably forget him after a day. Yeah. There was a point in the movie. I thought he wasn't actually going to be in the movie. Because it took so long to introduce him back into the story. Oh, that's true. Because they introduced her way before they reintroduced him. Yeah, I thought they just cut that character out of the movie. But he does do things. He could have been cut out and it wouldn't really matter. But it's a connection to the first movie, so it makes sense. And uh, he has a couple, I think, funny lines. Because he's witnessing Venom for the first time, too. And it's like really kind no, of no, fucked no, second up for him. Time. Remember the first movie? Yeah, he, he saw Venom at least once. Because oh, remember, he he's like, we don't want any more, or I don't want to deal with any more aliens. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. But his interactions with Venom still, they add a couple laughs. Yeah, because they kind of go from, like, Venom seeing him the same way Eddie Brock does as being, like, the hated new lover of his ex mm-hmm. to being like, okay, you're an all right guy. And the cop characters back in this... It is, I think, British actor Stephen Graham. I've seen him in a couple of TV shows and stuff. I actually really like Stephen Graham as an actor. Uh, he was in Boardwalk Empire as Al Capone or Al Capone's cousin, and he was really good in that show. Um, in this show, he's just kind of like a generic American cop. He He's there and he adds to the plot, but he's not really super interesting as a character. Not really. I mean, I, I see why he was there. He added some tie-in between... Uh... Well, Eddie Brock and uh, Carnage, not even Carnage, but Carnage's girlfriend, Shriek. Mm. Um, he had a bit of time there because he, I guess, knew her when they were younger. He like took her away to the facility that she was at somehow and thought he killed her. I, I forget how it worked out. Um, so he, he did add some tie in, but and he was there. He was there throughout the movie, like consistently. Like he, yeah, he did was. have a lot of scenes. Just he not... probably had more scenes than Anne. 
than Ann or Dan. Yeah, Ann yeah. or Dan. Yeah, no. Uh, but I just like none of them were that memorable, other than yeah. when like his death scene where I think he gained powers some sort. Yeah, so that was weird because when so it's Shriek basically grabs him and throws him onto like an iron beam, mm-hmm. and it was kind of brutal. I was like, oh, oh, that was kind of dark. And afterwards, like he woke up and I was like, oh, he wasn't actually killed, but kind of looks like he died and he has like some kind of powers. I don't get that. Yeah. His eyes were like glowing, like blue. That was weird. Yeah. They introduced in like some spinoff villain. I remember from the first Hulk movie, they introduced uh, the leader, which the leader is Hulk's enemy. Who's he's not physically opposing, but he's just really, really smart. He's like green skinned. He's got really tall, like angular head. And at one point, I think like Hulk's blood drips on the guy, some random scientist. And at the end of the movie, you see like his head expanding, but they never do anything with that character ever again. Yeah. We never see him in the MCU. I kind of feel like that was that scene. Uh, Again, if there's a third Venom movie, if it still stars Venom as the main character, I could see him being a tie in, hopefully. Hmm. Because he, I mean, could be a cool villain or anti hero ish character. Yeah, we don't cop, know. Cop with superpowers. I don't know if there is one in the MCU. Probably. Uh, there probably would be, but I can't think of any. So he's there, and uh, yeah, I'm fine with Anne and Daniel. They add stuff from the story, and there's just a connection from the first movie. Uh, I don't know. They don't really do anything really. I guess Anne has some kind of decent scenes, but like they don't really add anything. This movie is really. Eddie Brock, Venom, and Carnage. Mostly Cletus Cassidy. Yeah, and maybe it's due to budget because they clearly spend a lot on CGI. It does look mm-hmm. nice. Um, but yeah, like even Miss Wan, I think probably has the same or no more lines than she did in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, I forget who the actress or any of that, but like, yeah, so, and she was actually kind of an okay character. And this one, they gave her a cool thing where she kind of became Venom for a little while. Like he took over her body because she ran the store that he got all of his candy at. And, but they didn't do anything with it. And I think they could have like, they showed lady Venom again, but again, a little bit more screen time. They could have done something cool with her, but they just had her jump on a couple of buildings, holding Eddie Brock and just dropped him off. She never went and did like anything cool, like going to eat somebody or, fought a bad guy like a purse snatcher just didn't do anything speaking of which let's segue into that because my major flaw of this movie goes down to two things but one of it is you were just saying how you kind of want to see her bite someone's head off in this movie until carnage comes in and then there are a couple brutal scenes towards the end of the movie this movie is pretty tame for the first half of the movie, especially venom venom I was very almost insulted uh, that's kind of like a Karen thing. I was insulted by his portrayal in the movie from the comic books, but I was insulted by how like they kind of turned him into a little bit of a bitch, a little bit of a pussy. He eats chicken. That's like his, yeah. his substance. That's how he eats food, that and chocolate. Yeah. Cause that's the only way he gets his brain nutrient, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I kind of saw where they're going from with it because as Eddie Brock said, like they literally just got out of this previous war and the FBI were still like kind of watching them, even though we didn't see any FBI presence, which kind of annoyed me, but they were like, they were being watched and being like, all right, we got to keep a lower profile. Yeah. So you can't just go and bite somebody's head off. But again, I wanted to see him do some anti-hero shit. Sure. Like he did save a woman from a purse snatcher, but then he just takes the purse snatcher and throws him into a dumpster. That would have good been a good scene to like decapitate someone. 
Also, he doesn't even really save her because she kind of does it by herself. Yeah, he just comes in after she saves herself and is like, all right, I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. But he doesn't. So what I was kind of thinking throughout the movie was that I got the scene that you're talking about, and it makes sense that if this is only a little bit after the first movie, you got to lay a, like a low profile because I guess in San Francisco, there's not much superhero presence or supervillain presence. So seeing a giant alien monster, they're going to send the FBI in. Evo, like you said... No FBI. When I was seeing that, though, I was seeing it from the Markin film part of my brain where I was saying they did that because if you're writing a story where Cleus Cassie is in it, you need to make this guy the good guy. Venom is a good guy. You don't kill people, especially in this movie that it's a PG-13 movie. We went to the theater and it was a decent amount of teenagers and even younger people that was there. Yeah, I, I do understand the PG-13, but, like, even in the first one, I know it was darker, so maybe it was hard to see, but he did kill quite did. a few people. And that's what my major complaint in this movie is, is that somehow, while I think the movie as a whole is better than the first movie, it really tamed down Venom compared to the first movie, where, for most of the movie, he is more violent. Yeah. Which, and again, I will agree with you, I hated the whole, like, chicken and chocolate thing. Like, yeah. I, I, I get where they were going with it, but it's like he literally could have been out there doing vigilante stuff, but in secret, more like an actual, like, anti-hero, just like Moon Knight, for example. Sure. He does things, but people don't find out about it because it never makes the news because he's secretive. He's sneaky. Mm. He goes and bites somebody's head off, but then he dumps the body in the river, so they never find it. That's a good comparison to Moon Knight. In the comics, I've been reading the newest Marvel entry of Moon Knight. People leave Moon Knight alone because he doesn't do Avengers-level shit. He yeah. just deals with very ground-level people, and he's very secretive about it, and he's not like Deadpool who's very flamboyant and caused a lot of explosions and stuff. But he just he, does his thing. He does people his leave thing. him alone. But he kills a lot of people, similar yeah. to, again, for example... Uh, Punisher. Punisher, but he's still not as... Like, he's more secretive, so people leave him alone more than the Punisher. A lot of people want the Punisher dead. Not as many people want Moon Knight dead, or yeah. the cops don't as much. Exactly. Um, and, and that's in a comparison to this. Like, he could do things and be an actual anti-hero and do cool stuff without being as recognizable. Yeah, definitely. To be fair, though, he is a giant alien who does look a little bit different than, like, Punisher, who's just a guy with a gun. Yeah. But you are right that, especially since he operates mostly at night, he could work with that a little bit more. And he could do a little bit more in the community. Yeah. And that's why I was just thinking the whole time I was like, they're doing this to keep the PG-13 raid in and they know Carnage at the end is going to do some like bad guy shit. And he does do some really cool bad guy shit, but they're going to like cool it down. This movie was very much a roller coaster in that like it starts very low and when it gets really high. The high point is towards the end with Carnage is full Carnage mode. And the violence, I, I'm not saying it's a roller coaster in terms of quality. I'm saying a roller coaster in terms of the violence. It starts very, like, almost like PG. And I was like, oh, damn, this this fucking sucks. And then towards the end, I'm like, oh, damn, there's some dark elements to this movie. Yeah, uh, storing telly-wise. That's, that's the roller coaster part of it for me. Sure. Because as you said, it starts off very tame, very kind of mundane. Like, they're just trying to live their lives, but he's got a of alien symbiote in them. Yeah. And the next thing you know, it's a uh, like literally a freaking like world war three happening outside. Yeah, it is. It's definitely carnage. Yeah, is up. Like, literally is it a buddy cop movie at the beginning? Another genre. It, 
it seems like it wants to be, but it really isn't because him and the cop just don't work. They don't have any. I need buddy cop with venom in him. Oh, they play off each other. You say rom-com. Now you say buddy cop. I think the movie has so much elements going, which I I say is a good thing. But again, they don't do anything. Yeah, I know. If they were actually being anti-heroes, I would say buddy cop movie. But they don't really do a lot. They don't do anything to help or save anyone. They just talk about their problems. So I would say it's actually probably more rom-com. Also, they don't really defeat Venom at the end. I'm sorry, Carnage. Shriek mostly does that. Shriek mostly does that. He does eat him at the very, very end. Yes. And that's the one time he actually kills someone. Throughout the movie, he's just throwing people into dumpsters and stuff. Two times at the end, he kills someone. Because they also killed the uh, Woody, Woody Harrison. Oh, I mean, that's the only death scene. Oh, Shriek oh. was by accident. Yeah. No, um, so so Carnage, they eat Carnage, and they eat Woody, Woody Harrison. And that's it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, if you count Carnage, the symbiote, as like a death. But, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, I don't like how tamed down they did with uh, Venom. And I just feel like Cletus Cassie scenes were way, way, way more interesting. Oh, he, yeah. No, than he, Venoms. Like, at the end, they were on par with each other. But in the beginning, like anywhere before um, when, when uh, Woody Harrison becomes Carnage, like then Woody Harrison's character is far more interesting. Definitely. I will agree with you there. In my favorite scene in the movie, there's a point in this movie I was like, damn, I'm going to give this movie a bad because so far everything kind of sucks. I'm not really interested in this. And I don't like what they did with Venom. One scene that I saw was so good, it bumped up another rating. Plus, at the end of the movie, it had some fun scenes, so it kept the rating going strong then. But one scene I really liked in the beginning was when Cletus Cassie sent Eddie Brock a postcard. Oh, yeah, that was really good. And it shows his background, and it does it in, like, a artistic, like, stencil-drawn style where it's kind of drawn him as a kid. He pushes his grandmother down the stairs. He kills his mother. He gets beat on by his father. And it shows, like, Woody Harrelson talking about it, but while, like, the stencil drawings are, like, around him, I thought, for me, that was the most interesting part of the movie. Yeah. That was really good. I did, like, visually-wise, I liked that. Probably on par with the last ending scenes where they're fighting. Mm. Um, story wise, I did, I, I didn't really understand it, but I kind of liked the the kind of bromance that Eddie Brock and uh, Venom have. No, no, the Woody Harrison's character. Oh, Cleus Cassidy. Yeah, we're yeah, or maybe it's like fanboy. We're kind Cletus of Cassidy's kind of fanboying over Eddie Brock. Yeah, I mean, he wants him to be like he wants to be best friends, brothers with him, but of course, they're not. They're not the same. One's a serial killer. One's a newspaper writer. Yeah. Or magazine. I forget which. Anyway. Yeah, we don't really see him do any real work. Mm, honestly, not. Not even in the first movie, he didn't do any work. Uh, at one point, I think he interviews the main villain of the first movie. He did an interview in this one, but it wasn't very good. He did two interviews. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's not very good at his job. Yeah. And so part of my biggest thing with Cletus Cassie, even though I did love the character was how upset he got with uh, Eddie Brock for figuring out where all the bodies were buried. Yeah, because that becomes his main motivation, and he only wants to hunt on Eddie Brock. He wants to kill him. Yeah. I know why I kind of dislike that. I want to hear your reasons. So, well, my biggest reason was, like, he's supposed to be this big criminal mastermind. Um, well, not mastermind, but serial killer, sorry. 
And you'd think he'd want people to know where the bodies are. You honestly, like looking at his character, I could see him stringing up like a headless body in the middle of Times Square. Not that they're in Times Square, they're in San Francisco, but like something very flashy and very showy. I think that he wants people to know how many people he's killed and how he killed them. But mm. then he gets really upset when Eddie Brock figures out his mystery. And which, also he gave him that information. That's on you, bro. He didn't give him the information. He found it on the wall. Or, oh, yeah. No, you're right. That's Venom, true. Venom found on the wall. Yeah. Well, maybe shut your door next time. Yeah. Even though they were talking in a jail cell, you don't really have the option of shutting a door. Fair enough. But, like, it seems like a really flimsy reason to, like, spend your whole motivation of just trying to kill this one guy. Yeah. And, again, he was supposedly going to tell Eddie Brock after Eddie Brock sent out that message what how he killed the people and where he killed them. Like, he was going to tell them all that anyway. And then he gets really mad that he figures it out before he tells him. And I just, it was, it was stupid in my opinion. I thought it would have been more interesting if he reason wants to kill Venom is because he's Venom. That Carnage wants to kill Venom because it's like, you know, it's a, it's like, uh, there's only enough like room in this town for one of us kind of thing. Yeah. Like Carnage is very much influencing Woody Harrison's character. Not that he needs much cause he's a serial killer to begin with. Sure. But he just influences him to go kill Karn, uh, to kill Venom, and then they go after him. Yeah. That would have made much more sense. But really, it's kind of a surprise to him when he learns that Eddie Brock is Venom. So, like, I just thought it was such a weird thing to spend so much energy. He kidnaps his girlfriend. He, like, does detective work to find his ex-girlfriend just to kidnap her to lure Eddie Brock there. But I'm pretty sure he didn't know Eddie Brock was Venom at that point. Right? I mean, he? He, no, he he would have thought he was. Eddie Brock, or yeah, Brock wasn't Venom because they'd broken up, but he didn't know that. How do you know he was Venom? Well, I mean, he probably just assumed that it was still Eddie Brock. No, how did he even know at all about Venom? Because remember, he bit him. and that's Yeah, how but he, he was in a prison cell this whole time. He shouldn't know about the outside world. No, he bit him and knew that his blood didn't taste like blood. Yeah, okay. So he, oh, so I guess he knew he was some kind of thing like him, maybe. Yeah, because remember, that's how he got Carnage, was he bit him. He got Carnage through tasting any Brock's blood that was an alien symbiote. He knew that there was something wrong with him, maybe. I don't know how he knew that it wasn't exactly, that it was like an alien symbiote over blood, besides the taste, I guess it was. Um, I, I, They didn't go into a whole lot of detail. But he knew that Eddie Brock wasn't normal or wasn't human. And then all of a sudden he becomes an alien. He's like, okay, well, if I became an alien by biting this guy, he's probably an alien as well. Sure. So kind of like a sum up of why I gave my review my review. I really like Clay's Cassie. I like Shriek. I didn't know she was going to be in this movie, but she added more layers for Clay's Cassidy. But I just thought for being the main character of the movie, Venom in the movie called Venom, was really toned down and that was kind of disappointing for me. Also, I felt like there's too much comedy in this movie and like wacky elements, which in other movie, like it might work. I was a little bit tipsy when I was watching this movie and it was kind of funny, but overall, especially for Venom, which is a dark character, I thought the movie was too silly for me. Like at one point he's at like a nightclub and it's really funny in like a meme kind of way but not in a Venom kind of way. If Deadpool yeah. did that, that would have been hilarious. It made sense. I kind of understand why they did it, because it was like Venom wanting recognition. He didn't want to simply just be an alien stuck in Eddie Brock's body. Yeah. I get why they did it, but yeah, it didn't didn't really work. Sure. 
my biggest thing was in particularly Venom himself. Like he's an alien symbiote. Why would he care what humans think of him? Sure. Because he could connect himself to any other human. Yeah. And like all of a sudden he wants like recognition. He wants to be a hero. But he, of course, he wants to eat people, but he still wants to be like an Avengers level hero, knowing full well that he's just an alien that is kind of bred to kill things. Mm. Um, I, I didn't get that part of the banter. Like, I didn't mind all the jokes, but part of the banter was like a lot of times he seemed to understand stuff better than a rock like love and relationships, despite being an alien symbiote that shouldn't understand love and relationships sure. or like human like, uh, what do we call that? Like human, uh, like connections yeah. and stuff like that. He does have a speech at one point where he's trying to like, after I think Tom Hardy's on like a motorcycle where he gives him like a little prep talk of like how I can heal your physical wounds, but I can't heal your emotional wounds that uh, hurt more and they last longer. Yeah. I was should. like, that's pretty deep. Well, on the other hand, you're an alien from a world that are only symbiote monsters. That's it. That's their whole planet. You shouldn't understand any human emotion. I know he's been living there for a few months, a month, whatever it is. He shouldn't have had really enough time to fully understand human emotion. Not really, because especially since he's mostly locked away in like an apartment building. It's not like he's out interacting with people. Yeah. Like, I understand he can kind of feel what Eddie Brock's feeling, but, like, he shouldn't be able to process that because he's never experienced. He doesn't know what it looks like. That's my biggest thing with Venom. I I love the fight scenes. I love the kind of, like, especially when he meets Carnage, he's like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 he's red. (laughs) I don't like that one. I can't, can't, we can't beat him. Yeah, he's stronger. Yeah, he's stronger than us. And it's like, okay, the the father-son relationship and the, the son is, like, really strong. And the father's kind of weakish. I, I don't know that whole relationship they had. I really liked that, and some of the dialogue, like it was, it was funny enough. I, mm. it, that's the thing. It reminded me of the first movie with the dialogue because they kept it. I, maybe they went a bit overboard on the comedy aspect of it, but it wasn't too terrible for me. And that's what I've heard about this movie. People were like, "Hey, if you like the first movie, you're gonna like this one." So you liking this? Not gonna down at all because it's really. The same movie, but if you like the first movie, this, in my opinion, and I think in your opinion too, does that but a little bit better too. Yeah. So if you don't like the first movie like myself, there's a good chance you're not going to like this. But as long as you were pretty fine with the first movie, you're probably going to like this movie. See, my biggest downfall, my absolute biggest downfall, which is why I couldn't give this movie a Kino, yeah. is it ties in with Spider-Man. Okay, yeah. So that's what people have been talking about. They've been doing like, if you're going to see Venom, please do not spoil it. And I'm like, ooh, what's going to happen? People are saying it has to do with after credit scene. The after credit scene is... Do you want to go into it or should I sum it up? Uh, Yeah, so we're going heavy into spoilers here. Um, Basically, it is Eddie Brock and Venom. And they're kind of together in a hotel room. I'm assuming in South America. I'm assuming that's where they are. But then all of a sudden they teleport, which I didn't even know was a power that they had. I think the reason for that is what's going to happen next Spider-Man movie. Oh, oh, the multiverse thing. Multiverse. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, that's what I immediately thought of. I immediately thought that this movie is taking place at the exact same time as the next Spider-Man movie. Oh, where Doctor Strange, I know you haven't seen the new trailer, is fucking up some shit. Yeah, yeah, because it's going to introduce a lot of like magical and uh, supernatural elements to it. Anyway. 
but they teleport to basically, I think it's like Hawaii or maybe Florida or something, some very tropical kind of area. And they're just in this like hut. It, it almost feels like a tiki hut. Kind, kind of, of like a lot of, I don't know, not bamboo, but uh, very, very open, very airy. And it kind of feels like a resort type thing. And they're just watching TV. And then all of a sudden, Carnage sees Spider-Man. Venom sees Spider-Man. Sorry, Venom sees Spider-Man. And he instantly gets mad and like is wants to kill him. But throughout the whole thing, there was no connection through the first movie and through 90% of, or 90, 99. Yeah. Like 98% of the second movie, there was no connection to Spider-Man whatsoever. Yeah. And it's like, all of a sudden he sees him and he gets mad about it. And I'm like, you don't know who Spider-Man is. You've never seen him before. He's never hurt you. You've been on this earth for what's it been? Two months or so. Five months max. Probably. When the symbiotes were brought and then held captive in a cage. Like, you don't know any of the superheroes. Probably not. How would you know Spider-Man of all people? And then it's to be like, we have to go after him. And it's like... Why, though? Exactly why. Why would you get mad at him? Honestly, he's a hero. You should want to look up to him. Considering that you don't kill anyone in this movie, you might as well look up to him as a normal superhero because you're barely an anti-hero in this movie. Exactly. You're damn near a hero if you didn't bite two things' heads off. One thing's head off. One human head off. And that's the part I hated when they made that connection to Spider-Man and he instantly like, oh, I know this guy. I have to go hurt him. Yeah, I didn't understand why he was like, I need to go kill this guy. It's either due to bad writing or I think, the main reason, but it's not very well plot out to why we would understand it is the multiverse is like, you had to hunt him, but it's like, why? Yeah. Is it just like, Oh, Venom is a Spider-Man villain. So we got to connect it somehow. There's gotta be a better way to connect it. Spider-Man, they should be able to find a meetup where Spider-Man fucks up his shit or he goes more evil for some reason besides some really flimsy multiverse thing. That's like screwing with his morals, I guess. I don't know. I'm not even 100% sure about that theory. Yeah. That was my biggest thing. I liked that this universe was separate from... Spider-Man. From Spider-Man and the MCU. Because it allowed Venom to become this weird, kind of funny-ish anti-hero that I didn't mind. Like, I've never read the the Venom comics or anything, so I was completely fine with this Venom. I thought he was great. Sure. But now that they're tying him, Mm. he either has to kind of choose. He either has to become a full hero and go help the Avengers, or he has to become a villain and try to go kill Spider-Man. Which would be a drastic change from the character we've seen in the last two movies. Exactly. Yeah, that's my That's my hatred of this. That's why I hate this tie-in. I don't hate it because I want the Spider-Man and Venom crossover done better than the Tobey Maguire and uh, Tover Grace version from Spider-Man 3. I I want the crossover. I don't want this Venom to be that crossover. Agreed. Like... They should have planned out better. At the first movie, and for most of this movie, it's very much planned as this is a separate universe, which is a good thing because it allows you to do some different things. If it was an MCU, there'd probably be more connection to the Avengers, and that's kind of like my one downfall with some of the Marvel movies is there's a lot of connections, and it's like, great, you do a really awesome job connecting this world, but sometimes you need to break from that world and do its own thing. Yeah, I mean, from just DC, we got Joker that had no tie into the DC universe at all. Yeah. And that worked. Really good movie. If they connect in the future, great. I'm 100% fine if they don't. Yeah, it even probably wouldn't even make any sense if they did. Yeah, probably. It would be like this movie, kind of. Yeah, exactly. But 
that's again for me this venom worked for himself yeah and tying him into the marvel universe and bringing him in even if it's just for a movie even if it's just for the the multiverse movie i, I don't want it yeah that's fair it is kind of like a shoehorned in crossover sort of mm-hmm. like we can now afford to have these characters in or not necessarily afford, but we're allowed the rights to. So now we can, because I guess Sony gave him permission. Cause I think Sony still owns the Spider-Man villains. They don't have to do this, but I guess they want to. I mean, they still own Spider-Man as far as I remember. Yeah. They still, yeah, they co-own him and they own him for the next movie or actually no, after this next movie, they co-own him for the next Spider-Man movie. Even after that, if they want Tom Holland to never show up in another Spider-Man or Avengers movie, they can, cause they own the rights to him. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. I did feel like it was kind of like a really, the fan part of me likes it, but like as a story kind of thing and connecting it to the world or universe, even though they're technically the same universe as we've seen, it doesn't make a lot of sense as shoehorned in. Yeah. And maybe very, very slightly they'll find some way to where like he will still be the anti-hero that he is throughout the movies, but in the new Marvel cinematic universe possibly but i really doubt it because yeah, i don't see tom hardy going into that because like i feel like he's in these movies because he gets to be the star of it tom hardy's obviously the star of these movies i don't see him playing like four fiddle to whatever big name movies are in the next crossover avengers crossover yeah yeah i don't see it working so i'm mean, maybe the only thing i could possibly see working maybe a venom team up so where there's a venom in this universe, and again they have supposedly hive mind, so they all kind of think like each other. So if there's two venoms in this universe, whatever venom is fighting Spider-Man and the Tom Holland venom, maybe they somehow have a connection and they can go and team up and do something, whether attack Spider-Man or go save a child. I don't know. Yeah, there is Carnage's son, which is even more powerful than Carnage and Venom, called Toxin. Mm. That would be kind of interesting to have they, a Venom Spider-Man team up where they attack Toxin. Yeah. But again, they've officially killed Carnage because they ate him. So I don't know if there could really be a child of Carnage. It'd have to be another child of Venom. That's true. But with Riot, which was the gray symbiote from the first movie, he had a di- very different origin. He is technically... Uh, who's? I think he is also Carnage's son. But like a different son. Yeah. I, I don't remember his exact origin. I think it's Carnage's son split into five beings. Riot was a strong one. Even it was two females. Even two males. So they're not as strong as Toxin. Toxin's one strong motherfucker. Mm. But there's five of them. Riot was one of those. So they definitely did something different with the first movie. So I feel like they could do Toxin. But just get rid of that connection to the comics. But again, they still have to have some way to create him. So there's a new symbiote that traveled to earth or he's like actually like venom's just one of venom's sons yeah i think you can kind of do anything it really doesn't matter but again cool concept but again i think there has to be at least two venoms to make it work because i don't want this venom to have any connection or any tie into the marvel cinematic universe if i want them to have their own venom that's actually like evil evil Uh, you could technically like do the multiverse thing that they split the multiverses up. You can still have the Sony Venom movies and then have Venom appear in the MCU and are technically do like two direct different beings. Yeah, I want no, I want like the two Venoms to meet each other. Oh, like, okay. The the anti hero Venom 
and the actual like evil Venom. From yeah, the, the one I want. Yeah. yeah, the one you want, the Venom you want. I want them to kind of meet each other. I don't want them to be like, oh, we just teleported in this body. This is us now. When I was younger, I had two comics that directly influenced me to the point that they affected me on a whole that I still remember their stories today after reading them almost 15 years ago. One was a comic where Venom is stuck on an island and he brings Spider-Man there and he keeps laying traps for Spider-Man and Spider-Man really doesn't have his powers. He doesn't have his like web gauntlet. So he has to create his own traps to try to stop Venom who actually has his symbiote. And that was kind of a creepy comic because Spider-Man had to find a way to survive without his suit, without his gadgets or anything, while Venom, who is a really big muscular guy in this version, haunted him. Spider-Man is still, like, super strong. and He is. He has that, but Venom is already stronger than that. That's true. He's stronger than that. Also, there was one really good comic that was... This movie, of course, doesn't take place on an island, I guess, technically, until the very end. But there's one where it's actually inland, where Spider-Man is a journalist who's trying to find all these murders, and it's Venom chasing down these people. He's doing it not because he's a serial killer, but because all these people worked on some kind of big drug for a pharmacy, and they they gave the green light for this drug that ended up killing a bunch of people, but they were okay with it because they knew they would make a shit ton of money. So Venom is directly kind of evil because he's like killing these five people who are part of like a board that proved this drug. But he has kind of a good cause because like it's revenge for all the people they killed for this drug and them being just greedy CEOs. And Spider-Man is trying to find him and catch him. It's kind of a dark like detective comic of him trying to catch up and find Venom. To sum up my review, because I think we're going to jump on to our next segments in a second. That's why I don't really care for this movie and the first movie. It's a university creating for a lot of people, yourself and a lot of other people. That's great and that's fine. But for me, Venom is kind of a terrifying force on himself. And the only thing that's more terrifying than him is Carnage. In this one, you got the Carnage. Venom, though, is pussy down. So that's why I can't give this movie a good rating. And also just too many silly jokes. And some of the jokes were quite funny, but doesn't match the tone of the movie or character I think Venom has. So that's kind of sum up of my final part of my review. So overall, I'm fine if it's Venom on his own. Because mm. I think this is a universe where Venom is kind of the big hero of the universe. And yeah. maybe he, he'll fight other guys so far it's just been symbiotes, but he could fight other super Spider-Man villains if he really wanted to. Sure. And again, I think this Venom would work with that second comic you read, the kind of detective comic where Venom's killing uh like pharmaceutical ceo board members and somebody's looking for him because he is a killer and i think as long as he does the killing like he doesn't kill people in this movie he kills one the main bad guy at the very end of the movie that's it that's all he does that's all he does but again i think by now eddie brock has accepted by the end of it that he is part of uh what was it the was it the something avenger uh oh, oh what was it he has a kind of funny thing for it it was like the defenders of the universe or what was it uh venom has his own name for them they don't really call themselves venom actually not really actually he tries to say we are venom but he actually venom stops him yeah at one point he's a different title but it's like it's like a cheesy 80s superhero name but kind it's, of yeah but it also involves death because it yeah. has something to do with death. I can't remember the exact name. But anyway, 
I think he has accepted that Venom is a killer and he is going to eat people. Yeah. Which I think he accepted when he ate Woody Harrelson's character. So He also said you can eat anyone you want. Yeah, at the end he did say you can eat anyone you want besides the preacher. Which, mm. including his girlfriend was there, or ex-girlfriend, that's kind of sadistic, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, the actual person he's there to save, he's like, oh, you can eat her. doesn't matter. Anyway, but I think he's accepted Venom for who he is now. So from here on out, Venom and him will be that character where they they will be an actual anti-hero, but they will, like, eat people. Mm. Hopefully. Like, that's my hope. From this point on, they will be whatever that name was, the, the something Avenger or whatever it was. I'm not, I, it's not even about eating people. It's just like being more violent in general. Well, yeah, the, the, like that, that's what I meant by being more violent, like actually like killing, murdering people. Or not even that, just like do more brutal things. I mean, he threw a guy into a dumpster. That was pretty brutal. He probably yeah, broke every... Yeah, but it was played so comedically that he like landed perfectly in a dumpster. Like you'd assume trash would be and he would be fine. I get that realistically, he probably would have broken some bones. Like but all they of his played bones. off so much that in a different movie, if a main hero fell into that dumpster, he would have gotten out fine. Yeah, but that's the hero, not some yeah. random bypasser. I mean, like with Carnage, you see him like grab a guard and slam him like through multiple pillars. Mm. You see that happen, but Venom doesn't do anything close to that. Like that guard wasn't eaten or even stabbed but he was disposed in a kind of brutal way. Yeah, that's true. But again, no blood, no guts, no nothing. He literally, his body would have been torn apart by being slammed through those. Maybe. I think it's just implication works by itself. But even with Carnage, there is some points where he stabs people, but there's a lot of points where he's about to stab someone or about to bite someone where they do the cutaway thing. Mm -hmm. Well, they don't show it. That's another thing with this movie. It's like, it's pretty decent considered as a PG-13 movie. But at the end of the day, if... We would have given the Deadpool creators a lot of shit if they made that PG-13 movie. I don't know why people are so on board with doing it with this movie. I don't think Venom... Actually, I don't know. In my opinion, Venom deserves an R rating just as much as Deadpool, no. if not more. No, he should have, honestly. Both movies, he should have had an R rating, and we should have got some decent, kind of gory get death scenes. Yeah. But, I don't know. It works with what it is. It, in this my is his own universe, pretty much. In my opinion, it does work... I, I, honestly, I'm with you. I would have liked to see the more kind of gory, like bloody death scenes. And again, I would have liked Venom to be more of an anti-hero. I do want Venom to be an anti-hero. I do want him. Uh, I, I loved him when he was, uh, what is it, Agent Venom? When he was in the yeah. the X-Force. Well, like that was great to me because like he actually like went around like shooting people basically. Mm. It was like Venom, that's the Venom, the character Venom is. He is a bad guy that is doing... Bad guy things for a good reason. Yeah. And when I look at him, I see the character from that comic I was talking about that he did really dark things. He had his own reason to, but even in that comic where he's doing kind of good things, it's played off as like almost like a horror movie. Spider-Man stalking Venom as he's killing these people is very much like that movie Zodiac where they're trying to find the serial killer, but they can never actually catch him. Mm. So that's how I see it. But yeah, that's our review of Venom 2. Uh, let there be carnage. Let us know uh, what you actually thought about the movie. You can write us on Trash Talk Podcasts. We're on most podcasts and platforms, but also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Let's get into our final segments of the show before we wrap it up. Let's talk about comic book of the week. Connected to another Marvel character. 
you read the first volume recently. I've read it fairly recently. Let's talk about Immortal Hulk, which is the comic that's, I don't know if it's still in the best, but it's the one that's most critically acclaimed from the last couple of years of Marvel's comics, which recently some of them haven't been doing super well, but this is the one that's been pulling Marvel back into having really good, strong writers. So Travis, I think I might have talked about it on a comic book a week many, many months ago, and I cited it as I really liked it because they played more with the horror elements of Hulk rather than just like Hulk flying off into space to team up with whatever hero they want to team yeah. him up with this week. But what did you think about Immortal Hulk, your yeah. reading of it? So this, in my genuine opinion, was the best adaptation of Hulk I've ever seen. Oh, really? Cool. I agree too, but I want to hear your reasons why. Uh, so basically it played up the fact that, well, first of all, it wasn't so much the Bruce Banner we know, which was kind of a disappointment. I really love the kind of camaraderie, like the, the, the buddy cop relationship that Bruce Banner and the Hulk have because it's like super, uh, like he's a superhero where he has like a lot of knowledge and he's a scientist and he's amazing. And the Hulk's kind of like a big dumb bruiser. So I always love that this one. It's kind of like if your average Joe, if you or me got became the Hulk kind of, yeah, he doesn't have all that scientific knowledge. He doesn't have the the brain power, but the Hulk is now smarter. So if it's the if the Bruiser became almost a normal human himself, yeah, they're equal parts. If anything, you can say the Hulk is more cunning. He's a bit more cunning. Yeah, yeah. So it's like if if the Hulk got more of Bruce Banner's and Bruce Banner got more of the Hulk's like humanoid qualities, kind of. Um. So I, I'd like that. I really liked how it was kind of this fight because I, I don't know why, but it was part of that. I think that horror aspect was the, the Hulk only came out at night. Not yeah. sure why that was. Yeah. Uh, very kind of cool. Cause like werewolves and kind of stuff, but it was like at night he turns into the Hulk and he always dreaded that because like he knows what the Hulk is capable of. Even though he knows the Hulk is like smart enough to take care of himself. He also knows the Hulk is a big, angry green monster that's willing to kill anything in front of him and he doesn't want the hulk he doesn't want the hulk to come out he doesn't want the the werewolf side of him to come out at night Mm. so he tries to suppress it through like any means possible alcohol whatever but he can't like he knows he can't he knows the if he gets angry or if the hulk gets angry the hulk will come out and destroy shit yeah and I like that too. He's more of a survivor. He's on the run rather than team up with Avengers in a lab coat. Yeah. He's on the run. He's trying to stay. I think he is dead in the comics. He officially. of course came back to life. Yeah, officially he's dead because the was it Hawkeye shot him with a arrow that he created to see if he could die. Yes. And, and everyone he, thinks he's dead. Yeah. Um, I think his girlfriend thinks that he could be alive, but he stays on the run and he's trying to like lay low. But like you said, I totally forgot about that. I like the elements of like the werewolf or the Jekyll and Hyde thing of that at night Hulk is in control. I think that's really cool. And there's a lot of really cool scenes where uh, characters are like shape shifting or warping. There is what I call the body horror elements of like, if you saw the fly or the thing or the blob, there's a lot of that of really gross, uh, especially in the upper volumes that you haven't read yet, two and three that I've read. There's a lot of characters like shaping or like they get burnt so hard by radiation that they start melting. There's a lot of like gross elements like that, which mm. I like. But yeah, Immortal Hulk is great. You should check it out if you've not already. 
Game of the Week is a game I've been playing recently on Nintendo Switch called Owl Boy, which is kind of an interesting indie game where you it's a really weird uh world creation that you're part of a race of people that live in the clouds. Uh people that can gain the powers of owls or other animals that can fly. And with Owl Boy, he kind of gets command to help the main characters because there's like this evil force that comes in it starts kidnapping people and stealing artifacts and owl boy has to go out there and save the day so you, it's a game that's a platformer it's like a mario game or uh, zelda or anything that requires like jumping on things or solving puzzles but it involves flight which is different your owl boy you can fly you can't do any offense but instead you team up with people and you hold them so he in the beginning of the game, you team up with this guy who's kind of like a coward, but he has a little gun, and Owlboy grabs him and flies him around. So you're kind of playing two characters. You're playing Owlboy and flying him around, but you're also playing the guy that he's holding that has a little gun. Oh, so but in, are you allowed to use the guy with the gun, or does yeah. he does, do his own thing? No, you control him. Oh, okay. So it's like the triggers activate the gun, but then like the actual sticks move Owlboy. Oh, Okay, that's kind of cool. Yes. So, so you get two characters kind of for the price of one. Kind of. And later in the game, you'll get different characters that join Owlboy. He'll always play as Owlboy, but he will always carry someone that will give him capabilities that he can't do them by himself. And by combining the two things, you're able to solve the puzzles and defeat the bad guys. So it's a very unique look at a platformer. It's very pretty looking to look at. And there's also a lot of nice, like, sweet music playing in the background. So it's just a nice game to relax to and play. And the puzzles, I don't say, are too hard. So I think it works fine. Okay, so that was our game of the week. I'm going to wrap up this show with our final segment, which is at the movies, where we recommend movies or shows we've been watching recently that aren't, in this case, Venom 2. So I guess I'll start first. I think there's something we can both talk about. Um, we've been watching like a lot of the world right now, Squid Games, which is the Korean TV show that's a mixture of like Escape Room and the Hunger Games or Battle Royale. And it puts that together. We I think are on the fourth episode. But so far, yeah, it's a pretty good show. I can see where the hype is about. Yeah, it does things like the Hunger Games Battle Royale, but it has a nice twist to it that I like. Yeah. Because it's more game-related, and they have more choices. Yes. Yeah, like a lot... The the people make... The, the the players make their own choices a lot more. Yeah. And it's kind of dark and brutal, because they just... When they die, it's not to themselves. It's just their captives just take a revolver and just shoot them in the head. But it's a bunch... Of, like, so basically, they're kind of all in a room together, and it's basically the people are dying around you. So yeah. it's, you get to see it from the perspective of the people playing the game, and they're watching all the other people playing the game just kind of die around them. Yeah, it's kind of dark. Because in the Hunger Games, they spread out. So they very rarely run into each other. Yes. But, like, there's mass murder happening in the same room around them. Yeah. And the rooms aren't terribly big. Like, they're good mm. size, but they can hold a few hundred people. But they're not, like, the Hunger Games like where it's, like, a whole island to yourself. Exactly. Or, like, 50 people, whatever it is. I think it's really interesting that the main character... While likable as a protagonist, he's very unlikable in a lot of ways because he's kind of a loser and he's borrowing money and stealing money from people. He's always taking money from his mother and he doesn't like really take good care of his daughter, which now lives with her mother. Yes. So he's a very unlikable protagonist, 
but he's likable too. But I think it's a very interesting way to write a main character that you want to root for. Yeah, honestly, like I do, I do want to see him live, but I don't want to see him succeed at life because he is a dickhead. Yeah. Which I've never said that about any main character ever. I don't think. Especially if we, like a show like this, where it's directly not just a character trying to fall in love or whatever. It's a character trying to survive. Yeah. You want to make sure that he actually gets through it. But again, like again, choices, he kind of made his own choice in this matter. Yeah, that's fair. My thing for this week is going to be, it's on motor trend on demand for anyone who has that. I don't think many people do, but if you do, uh, it's called motor Mythbusters, where it's basically, you know, the show Mythbusters. Yeah. It's, it's actually got one of the, st- the main actors from that or oh, really? stars from that. I don't know what you'd even call them. Is he the one with the mustache or the other guy? Uh, no, it's a, sorry. Later on when they actually get rid of those two main guys oh, and okay. they get a group of, I think it's like three people. It's like a female and two guys. Yep. One of those guys is the, now the main guy here. I see. But it's, it's basically Mythbusters, but it's all about car related myths, which I think was one of the first, very first episodes for Mythbusters where like they strapped a Jado rocket to a car. But this is all about like car hacks and basically car myths that probably shouldn't work, but some of them do and some of them don't. Mm, and I found it very enjoyable mainly because I like it's got three characters again or actors and they're all really good. They're all really likable and the myths are kind of cool and they for anyone who knows anything about cars, they make a lot of sense. Mm. So that does kind of sound interesting. Mythbusters kind of interesting genre by itself and a lot of people really like that but do that with exclusively vehicles yeah so like for example one of the myths is can electric cars drive underwater they shouldn't be able to again why not uh because the parts besides because it's electric exactly but so in theory most cars are waterproof in theory if you could keep the engine from so a gasoline engine needs requires oxygen to enter the car to be able to run and it has to be able to exit. As long as you can have those two things, you can physically drive a car into water. It's been proven. They've literally driven a gasoline powered car into water. Mm. Now electric car doesn't require oxygen because it doesn't need air. It's electricity. So in theory, the electric car should be able to drive underwater without having the oxygen. Yeah, no, that's fair. As long as it's waterproof. So what did they find? Well, on that particular, they found out it couldn't because most electric cars aren't waterproof enough. Oh, okay. So basically where, like, the electrical connections is, where the plug-in is, isn't waterproofed, water seal tight, so it leaks and mm. causes it a short. Okay. Yeah, but, that's what I figured. But exactly. that's kind of interesting. But in theory, if if the electrical car is water sealed, if it's watertight, all the electrical components are, you could physically drive an electric car underwater. Yeah, so if you're able to just seal it off enough, you could. Without oxygen, theory, without could. anything, you could. It's huh. never been proven because, of course, with that with that particular episode, they couldn't. But, but maybe in the future. It's possible. Number three pick, I'm going to pick a horror movie because I've been watching a horror movie every day for Halloween. It is the new James Wan movie. He stepped away from doing Aquaman. He's going to return for Aquaman 2. But he's going back to his horror roots. We saw some of his horror roots in Aquaman with uh, The Trench. A horror movie called uh, Melagant. Melagant? Melagant. I don't know how you pronounce it. But it's a movie on HBO Max that is a really bonkers movie with such a weird twist to it. If you're looking for a horror movie, I would kind of suggest it. 
it is a movie that for most of the movie, I was like, this movie sucks. I don't like it. The acting sucks. The dialogue kind of sucks. And the story, I don't like paranormal ghost shit. Basically, a woman is kind of getting haunted by a ghost that's going around killing people, but she can witness the ghost creature killing things around her. But no one else can see it. Yeah, but like she's like in, she like teleports her mind to where the people are dying. Oh. Even if she's in her own bed. So she can't physically see it. She can only see it through like visions. Kind of, yeah. Okay. But there's a big twist at the end that goes from, without going to major spoilers, it goes from what I thought was a ghost supernatural story, which I'm not a big fan of ghost stories because like you can't really do anything to fight them unless you're an actual ghostbuster. With like slasher films, I like those much better because they're an actual man. Except for uh, fucking uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. That he's a lot of supernatural elements to it. Because he haunts people in their dreams. But again, even then you can fight with your dreams. You can kind of fight it. Yeah. You can fight back, basically. That's why I'm more scared of like werewolves, zombies, stuff like that. Because those are, while not like real, of course, they are physical beings. Yeah. But in the end, it turns into a psychological slasher movie with such a bizarre twist. It's such a weird change of pace from the rest of the movie that it goes so far off the wall. It's good. This movie, I was, I was giving it a rating out of five. Most of the movie, I was like 2.5. What I would consider not a good movie towards the end. It was like a 3.5 just cause like after the two thirds mark, there's such a weird twist in how the rest of the movie is. It turns into a really weird action slasher movie. Like I would recommend it. It's one of the only movies I would recommend based on the last part of the movie alone by itself. Hmm. And it does a good job of setting everything up. I just didn't assume it at the time when I was watching the rest of the movie. So that's how good the twist was, was you had no idea it was coming. Yeah, and it's so, like, whacking bizarre that is so enjoyable. But at the same time, like, you had to get through a lot of, like, the beginning part, which I didn't think was super good. I see. Okay. But, you know, if you're looking for a horror movie to watch, you can't go wrong with it. And if you have another thing we recommend for our fourth and final pick, you can go for that. Otherwise, I have one movie I did watch recently I would do for the fourth pick if you want. Nothing I can come up with off the top of my head that I've watched recently enough. So our uh, so for our fourth and final pick, I am talking about About Time, which is a British rom-com that's on Netflix. Really good movie. It's about a man who is kind of like a dweeb. But his father on his 21st birthday tells him a deep secret. All the men in his family can go back in time. They can't go back in time to places he's never been. You can't go back in time and kill Hitler because you were never there. You can go back and right the wrongs you've made hours, days, months ago. Years but, ago if you really wanted to. But I mean, in theory, the guy, the forefather of him could have gone back in time and saved the world from Hitler. No, he couldn't because he wasn't alive during Hitler. No, 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 no. The, his his ancestor, his great ancestor could have. Uh, he could have, yeah. He could have. But, like, on the other hand, like, maybe he didn't know where Hitler was. He can't just teleport to that location. No, no, no. He can only go back in his own life. But, I mean, in theory. So, you're going through time, and you're living in that period, the World War II period. And you see Hitler, and you know when he has his press conferences and stuff. Sure. In theory, you could, at the very end of all that, go back in time before you die. And save the world by, like, assassinating Hitler. Yeah, you could do that, yeah. And knowing all the the tragedies he caused. Basically. So you, I guess you could do that. They write off as basically, like, the grandfather. 
basically abuse his power only for money. So he just did it and he died a lonely man because he just used his power to gain more money. I mean, in theory, then he would leave more money for all of his children who would have a better life. Well, they do, but he's still not happy. Hmm. He's definitely a, like a little bit privileged, but he goes down the world. And he becomes a lawyer. He lives in London by himself until he meets a girlfriend. But he uses his powers for kind of like mundane things. Like he goes back in time. His landlord has a play, but the main actor of that play forgets his lines. So he looks like an idiot. He goes back in time to convince the main actor to reread his lines one more time to actually get it. So his landlord doesn't have like a breakdown. And of course he goes back in time to keep doing things with his girlfriend. At one point he keeps having sex with her over and over again, but he keeps doing better and better. So at the end she thinks that on their first date together, he's like a stud. Yeah. But then from there on, he has to keep doing that same thing, which I guess is yeah. terrible for him. He gets to have sex over and over again, but then he has to do that every single time to always look like a stud. Yeah, kind of. I guess it's all downhill from there. But, you know, he just goes back in time. Ken, the major thing is that the first time he meets the girl, he, like, it's really romantic. They go to a bar that is, like, all dark. It's only people can talk to each other, but they can't see each other. Mm. And, like, blind waiters serve them. So they have a really good talk. They meet outside, and they're really cute to each other. And she gives him his number, and you're so happy for him to actually stop being a loser and go out with her. But when his landlord, who is like a famous playwriter who hasn't written anything in many years, is like, my main actor for God's lines, everyone's saying that I'm a one-trick pony, everything is the worst. Like an idiot, he goes back in time to fix that, but because of that, he never met the girl at his bar. And when he does track her down, she doesn't recognize him. So there's like little twists like that, but it's a movie just by saying the way it is, you're like, eh, it seems okay, but nothing special. If you watch the movie, how it's written, how funny everyone is, and there's a lot of great moments. There's a very sad scene at the end of the movie where while his father, he can keep going back in time to relive the same day, and he does that often, so he reads so many books. He's, like, read, like, pretty much every book in existence. Towards the end of the movie, he's dying. They go back in time one more time when they were little, and they were, like, going on the shore and skipping rocks together, and it is very sad. So this movie does hit a lot of emotional beats. But in theory, doing that, going back in time with his father to skip rocks, wouldn't that change the course of the rest of his life? He, basically, they say, like, as long as we don't do anything too drastic, everything will stay ah, the same. Okay. So they're not going to go back in time and, like, I don't know, decide to go build, like, a race car or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, no, but I mean, as long, even if it's so much something simple as, like, there's a minute late. Like, so they're skipping rocks on the beach, but they're a minute late getting home. That could quite literally change the rest of the course of his life. Yeah, no, definitely. All the time stuff, they don't really go into time paradoxes or anything. Oh. They really take this at very, very, very loose. Okay. It's not like the Flash, like any little thing like in real life would change history. The butterfly effect. Exactly. This movie is very loose with that concept. Okay. It's just a very fun movie and uh, I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it sounds pretty decent. Yeah. And that was our Trash Talk podcast episode. Uh, we will return soon with a review on the next big movies coming out, either Halloween, James Bond, or Dune is coming out soon too. So a lot of stuff to talk about. And once again, in around a month, we are going to be closing the Trash Talk podcast channel, moving to the Beer and Pretzel podcast. So please follow us there if you haven't already. And if you are listening on the Beer and Pretzel podcast, if you enjoyed this, let us know. Or if you really like, why is this on this channel? As a, not really one of the best announcement, this is only going to be like once every other week or even more. 
So you're not going to be bombarded with this show if you don't care for it. But I guess let us know if you don't like it too. But if you did, let us know. And episodes will be going up once in a while from this show as we review different things. Yeah. So this is kind of like a, I guess, like a filler episode in anime. It's if, because we, we do do Tuesdays and Fridays. Yeah. So it's kind of if we don't have anything going on on that particular Friday, we'll be doing this. Cause exactly. We This is something that me and Austin both enjoy. And it's not going to slow down the beer and pretzel podcast. Like Travis said, it's something to fill in the Fridays. I don't have anything. Yeah. Most Fridays I will have a review of a role-playing game or we're chatting with a game creator or announcement of a new, of an, of an upcoming game or yeah. a, some sort of announcement coming up. And so. we'll have stuff like that, but just gonna be a lot of weeks where we won't have anything like that until the following Tuesday. Every Tuesday will be a different role-playing game. Or not a different role-playing game. There will be a continuation or a new role-playing game we're playing. It's an actual play podcast. But on Friday, sometimes you will be hearing from us on the Beer and Pretzel podcast. I mean Trash Talk podcast. So, yeah, if you enjoyed this, uh, hopefully you did. Let us know. If not, I guess you can let us know, too. Just don't be too mean. Our feelings get hurt very easily. Awesome. Does. Be as mean as you want. Yeah, I, I don't care. care. And we'll hear from you next time on Trash Talk Podcast. We'll be returned with another good review. Have a good night.